0: Welcome to the Illinois
1: Soy Podcast. Enjoy. Today I'm speaking with Jason Hagley, a 2021 CCA Soy Envoy for the Illinois Soybean Association and a Region Agronomist with Winfield United in Illinois. In this role, Jason leads Winfield United's Agronomy Services team for the Eastern United States. Jason has a bachelor's degree in agronomy and ag engineering from Iowa State University, a master's in crop production and physiology and a PhD in Crop Sciences from the University of Illinois. Welcome to the show, Jason, and thanks for joining me today.
0: Thanks, Miranda. It's uh, a pleasure to speak with you. Uh, I appreciate the opportunity to represent the Illinois Soybean Association and uh, the ISA-CCA Soy Envoy Program as well.
1: And we're happy to have you too. And this is your second year as a Soy Envoy, is that correct, Jason?
0: Yep, that's correct. I, I enjoyed being a member of the program last year during the 2020 season and uh, definitely look forward to what this year will bring as a soy envoy.
1: And what does it mean to you to be an ISA soy envoy?
0: Yeah, great question. You know, I think about, you know, what it means to me to be uh, to be an agronomist. And as an agronomist, I really enjoy any opportunity that I have to, to educate farmers about crop production practices, including soybeans and Uh, The ISA Soy Envoy Program is a great way to share my agronomic insights with Illinois farmers and and also meet other agronomists uh, working within Illinois uh, as CCA Soy Envoys.
1: Well, we're excited to have you back this year, and I'm so excited to have you here with me today on the Ill Soy Advisor podcast, where we're going to be talking about soybean fertility programs. So Jason, let's start with the things soybean growers should consider when they're building a soybean fertility program. Sure.
0: So you know, I think back to how you know soybean uh, fertility programs are you know managed or, or run in the past, and you know one of the common practices was to apply uh, nutrients, you know, primarily phosphorus and potassium, uh, with the fertilizer program for for a corn crop, and and hope that there was enough nutrition left over for that soybean crop uh, the following year after the corn crop. And I think as time has gone on, and, and farmers have gotten more and more excited about managing soybeans for higher yield, you know, the the focus or how we manage fertility programs for soybeans has changed. And, and by that, I mean that you know uh, now we're we're oftentimes applying fertilizer annually for both uh, for both corn and soybeans individually, and, and targeting fertilizer rates that um, are appropriate for each crop individually, and not trying to do it all at once uh, for for both crops uh in a in a two-year type of cycle or or program and so you know more specifically thinking about soybeans you know some of the things that are important to consider are the amount of nutrients you know individual nutrients for a specific yield goal uh the timing of when nutrients are are needed most and that's going to vary you know somewhat from nutrient to nutrient and could potentially influence when we apply nutrients either before the crop is planted uh, or in season as either a, a foliar application or potentially a, a dry top dress application. And then finally thinking about what the function of an individual nutrient is or, or where that nutrient is located in the plant. Um, that can also influence how we apply that nutrient uh, as a foliar or as a soil applied
1: nutrient. Let's talk a little bit about how the soybean plant interacts with nutrients. First, how do nutrients enter the plant and what impacts that process?
0: Sure. So, you know naturally for all for all plants you know most of those nutrients are going to enter uh, the plant through the roots and when we think about root uptake of, of nutrients or how the root and the, the nutrients interact in the soil there's really three three main mechanisms to think about um, those being mass flow diffusion and root interception um, you know we could go into a lot of detail on these but you know, just you know simply put you know, mass flow are those nutrients that are gonna move in the soil with water. Um, you know, so common examples there would be nitrogen, nitrate specifically, and sulfur. Uh, the second, you know, way that nutrients are taken up by the plant is diffusion. Uh, so that nutrients moving from a region of high concentration in the soil uh, to a region of low concentration, typically around around the surface of the root. Um, you know, examples there would be phosphorus and potassium. And then finally, root interception. So that's where the root physically grows. You know toward the nutrient or you know intercepts the nutrient um, examples there would be calcium and magnesium. Um, so those are the ways that nutrients are taken up, but you know, we think about it really uh, having a large uh, root system or as large root system as possible uh, benefits nutrient uptake through all three of those mechanisms because a larger root system is able to explore more total soil volume and in turn you know potentially take up more nutrients from the soil if they're present there in the soil.
1: And when the nutrients enter the plant, where do they go? Yeah. So, you
0: know, that's going to depend, you know, somewhat, you know, from uh, individual nutrient to uh, individual nutrient. Uh, But in a lot of cases, you know, those nutrients are going to go either directly into the stem, Um, you know, potassium would be an example of a nutrient that accumulates in the stem, you know, plays a role in, in, uh, you know, the structural integrity of the stem. Um, You know, other examples like nitrogen, you know, those nutrients are going to go to the leaf um you know first or primarily where the energy of the sun you know the process of photosynthesis will help to transform those nutrients from one form to another so in the case of nitrogen that uh you know, might be taken up from the soil you know depending on you know your crops uh, individual crops so as nitrate or ammonium um you know soybeans are a little bit different that uh, you know that nitrogen is fixed uh, through the rhizobia that associate with the roots but uh that nitrogen will go to the leaf and then you know be uh, transformed or converted into amino acids which then can be used in the leaf or potentially go into the developing grain where they contribute to the production of uh, protein.
1: Is there a certain point where a soybean plant will stop absorbing nutrients? Yeah, absolutely.
0: So, uh, you know, the the point at which uh, nutrients are, um, you know, stop being absorbed or taken up by the plant is really gonna be a function of the demand that that plant has. And so we think about a soybean plant specifically as it gets later in the growing season and those leaves start to turn yellow uh, or the, you know, the term is senesce and drop off the plant, um, you know, they're certainly going to be um, you know, diminished or um, you know, uh, an end to the demand for nutrients by the leaves. Um, you know, some of those nutrients that are already in the leaves will continue to move to the grain, um, but nutrient uptake within the plant itself will really start to taper off at that point later in the season when that leaf senescence begins to occur and you know, we approach uh, physiological maturity in the, in the developing seeds or pods of the plant.
1: I spoke with a farmer recently who said he loves to do foliar applications. How do foliar nutrients work? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so many different nutrients
0: can be um, applied as uh, foliar, uh, you know, foliar forms or foliar application. And so for those nutrients, you know, typically they're either liquid, uh, you know, liquid sources to begin with, or they're easily dissolved, you know, dry nutrients that can be dissolved in water and then sprayed on the crop. Uh, but the idea is that we're going to you know, spray this onto the foliage of the leaves of the soybean plant or, or really any other crop that we're uh, making those foliar applications on um, and then the nutrients that we apply will either benefit the leaf directly or you know go through that transformation process and be moved to other other parts of the plant like the developing uh, pods and seeds in a, in a soybean plant um, you know many of the most commonly applied you know foliar nutrients in soybeans or in other crops as well are micronutrients and the reason for that is that micronutrients are required in small amounts by the crop. So we don't actually have to apply a, a large you know, volume or amount of uh, a fertilizer product uh, to be able to uh, you know, supply that, that, that requirements that the crop has. And in the case of micronutrients as well, you're know, thinking about manganese as a specific example, because you know, those, those micronutrients are often involved in um, supporting photosynthesis, which occurs in the leaves. And so we can apply those foliar nutrients directly to where they're gonna have the, the biggest impact when we, when we make that application.
1: And what's one thing that farmers should consider when trying to decide between a dry or foliar product? Yeah, good question. So I, I
0: think, you know, one of the first considerations is the, the total amount of that nutrient that's required. Um, so in the case of something like, uh, you know, nitrogen as an example, um, you know, thinking about soybean specifically, it's going to take anywhere between four and five pounds of nitrogen per bushel in that crop. So you're know, thinking about 100 bushel soybean crop, you know, it's anywhere from 400 to 500 pounds of total nitrogen that that crop will require. Now, granted with soybeans, you know, a lot of that's gonna be um, you know, absorbed into the plant through the process of fixation with that rhizobia bacteria on the roots. Um, but you know, the, the amount of nitrogen that we might potentially need to supply through a foliar application would be quite large. Uh, it would be a larger volume of product. And anytime we you know, think about larger you know, volumes of nutrients, there's a, a potential for uh, you know, damage to the, to the leaf tissue. Um, you know, for nutrients like micronutrients that are required in smaller amounts, you know, we might only need to apply a, a pint to a quart per acre of the fertilizer product uh, to to supply the the amount of nutrition that we want to uh, want to apply. Uh, the other consideration when deciding between a dry and a, a foliar applied new type nutrient is also the the timing of when that nutrient is required. Um, if it's a nutrient like nitrogen or phosphorus or potassium that's going to be required in larger amounts, then that you to know, take is going to occur over the entire duration of the growing season. You know, we really wanna apply it, you know, primarily as a, as a, you know, dry or a soil applied nutrient so that it's there in the soil for that continued uptake over time. Whereas with a, a, a micronutrient or a foliar nutrient that you know, might just be used to supplement, you know, key times during the growing season, like around flowering, around pod set, um, you know, we can get by with those, those smaller quantities uh, applied as a, you know, liquid foliar feed.
1: Now the million-dollar question: What amount of nutrients does a plant require?
0: Yeah, you know, great question, and that's going to vary um, depending on on the crop. Um, you know, because we're talking about soybeans specifically today, I would encourage everybody to uh, you know visit my blog article for uh, the month of April, where I lay out some of the uh, total nutrient amounts by by yield goal. Uh, but you know, thinking about a hundred bushel yield goal specifically. Um, you know, for nitrogen, we're you know, looking at anywhere between four and 500 total pounds of, of nitrogen per acre in, in the crop. Um, you know, phosphorus expressed as P2O5 is going to be about 72 pounds per acre. Uh, potassium as K2O is going to be 283 pounds per acre. Sulfur, uh, nearly 30 pounds per acre. And then for the key micronutrients, zinc, manganese, and boron, you know, anywhere between seven and eight uh, ounces of those nutrients per acre.
1: And then as a quick follow-up to that question, of the nutrients that are taken in, how much is actually removed from the field in grain and how much is left behind?
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, another good question. And that's gonna, again, vary by the nutrient. So um, that grain removal or the percentage of the nutrients that's taken by the plant and ultimately removed by the, the grain is gonna range anywhere from 80% in the case of something like phosphorus uh, to as little as, you know, 18 to maybe 25%. you're know, thinking about some of the, the micronutrients and and nutrients like magnesium that are primarily involved in supporting photosynthesis. So they're primarily going to be in the leaves. And then when those leaves, you know, drop off the plant, they'll remain in the field and ultimately cycle back you know, into the soil and crops in, in future years.
1: Now, before I let you go, I think you touched on this a little bit earlier, but as the growing season here gets started, what are the growth stages we should be targeting in order to make the most of your crop with proper plant nutrition?
0: Mm-hmm. Yep, so there's, there's really two times that I would think about uh, for a soybean crop. Um, you know, for soybeans, we know that you know, mo- a lot of the yield potential is, is actually affected during the, the reproductive stages, you know, later in the growing season. Uh, but I would start to think about um, you know, some type of application uh, you know, based on uh, a yield goal, or maybe even using a practice like tissue testing. Um, around R1 or R2, when when the flowers are uh, are forming, uh, we want to ensure that that crop has adequate nutrition at that point, so that you know flowers stay on the plant and and uh, you know don't fall off the plant uh, prematurely. And then the the second time that I would think about you know uh, looking at nutrition and, and ways to supplement nutrition would be at that R3 growth stage, uh, again as we transition from flowering into pod set. And uh, you know, doing anything that we can from a nutritional or you know, overall management perspective to keep those pods on the plant, retain the pods, and, and ultimately provide you know the adequate amount of nutrition to uh, fill those pods out and, and realize that uh, full yield potential at the end of the season.
1: Well, that's all the time we have today. Jason, thank you for walking us through the ins and outs of soybean fertility. Your insights will help our growers get off to a strong start this spring. All right. Well, thank you. I appreciate
0: the time today, and I hope that uh, all the farmers listening to this, this podcast have a successful uh, season in 2021.
1: Thank you. Again, that was Jason Hagley, a 2021 CCA Soy Envoy, speaking about soybean fertility programs. If you're interested in learning more about this topic and other soybean management resources, visit www.ilsoyadvisor.com. That's Soy advisor.com to learn more. This has been an ill soy advisor podcast. Thanks for tuning in.